As you know, I have asked for tools to be used for the intro every week on this sermon series from James, and the ones I have today are on loan from Dennis and Joe Wynn. Shekels, shackles, uh, that which would hobble a horse. Now, <clears throat> the amazing thing is that it took three preachers and about three weeks to figure out how to put them back together after we took them apart. Because you notice they interlock on these two little rings right here. But they would be used to keep a horse from wandering away. Uh, be able to do whatever, I mean, keep it in one place or if you're going to, I guess... I'm not a horse person, so forgive me if this is a bad connection, but I'm guessing if I was going to examine the horse in some way, I'd want to make sure those, I don't know if you could, could you do that, Joe, where'd you go? Could you do both sets? Would you do the front and the back? You wouldn't do both sets of tires. Okay, just the, just the wheels in the front. Okay, but, uh, and then, sorry, it makes a loud noise, but um, they were placed on the legs of the horse to keep the horse from uh, wandering away, and, and that's exactly what James is telling us today, that we need to be able to basically uh, shackle or uh, hobble our tongues at times because we are prone to let our tongues wander off to somewhere they shouldn't be. Last week, if you have been following along at, at all in this sermon series, James was in our face telling us that faith without action is basically useless. Yeah, I got faith, but nothing to go with it. He's saying that's not doing much. In fact, he, he said, you know, it's, it's dead or it's, it's like what the demons have or it's just basically totally worth, worthless to have. So today, he, he's right back in our face telling us that you need to check your tongue, if you will, because they are prone to wonder and they are liable to start fires in your life that will destroy your witness or destroy the family and the home in which you live. So let's be uh, a little bit of memory here, a reminder that uh, James is that textbook, if you will, that tests the validity of our faith because a living faith is a working faith. And today I want you to think about a faith that works tames the tongue. Tames the tongue. Now, if you have your Bibles, I'll just go ahead and read it for, for you that verses 1 through 12 of chapter 3. But before I do that, I'm going to read for you verse uh, 26 of the first chapter. If you remember when I first began on this series that many commentators think that James is all over the place and that he doesn't have strong themes or at least, you know, it goes from this to that. Well, he's drawing back on what he said in verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Now, we pick up in the third chapter. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep the whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boats. 
Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by men. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, it should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's pray. Lord, as each one of us want to bite our tongues today because this passage is... It's for all of us. Each one of us at one time or another has failed to control, to bridle, to shackle, to hold back our tongues. And we have let rip on people and caused their souls to be damaged. In fact, perhaps burned up our testimony with them. So as James is writing to a Christian reader... He writes to us today to say, Christian, how can blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth? How can you love the Lord and hate your brother? How can you claim to follow him and push others away from him? Speak to us in this hour. Help us to tame our tongues. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, frankly, most commentators would like verses 1 and 2 not to be in this section because it's a hard transition point. And teachers, I'm looking at some teachers in the congregation. I know I've got several out there. You're going, we weren't supposed to be teachers? What does that mean? Well, the, the consensus is of the different commentaries and theologians that I read this week is I try to at least take some time to spend with that first verse that you all shouldn't be teachers. That's a Texas way of saying it, right? Y'all shouldn't be teachers. He's saying, basically, let me show you the priority and the power of what you say. Teachers have power. We don't pay them like they got power, but teachers have power. You think back to your elementary school days. I bet you can name 10, according to how many times you took the first grade, maybe five of them. You can name your, your elementary school teachers. They influenced you. They taught you more than reading, writing, and arithmetic. You could share stories on those teachers, I'm sure, with every kind word or every cutting word. They were logged into those little memories, those little minds that now have gray hair. And you still can tell those stories of those teachers who touched your heart or perhaps lit up your pants. Not that that ever happened to me. And those of you who think, well, I, I, being perfect is 
so impossible. I am a teacher and all this influence. Well, look at verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone is never at fault in what he or she says, he or she is a perfect person, able to keep the whole body in check. And I only know of one perfect person in history, and that's the Lord and Savior in which we serve. So as we have set the tone for the power and, and the importance of our words, let me ask you to tap the brakes. And that's our first point this morning, tap the brakes. Going back to one of my favorite teachers, and I have even talked to you about, if you've ever uh, can recall, I talked to you about Mike Alcorn before. Mike Alcorn was my high school uh, driver's ed teacher. And Mike was um, a little overweight, let's just say a lot overweight. And we often had to stop by his house if you were taking driver's ed from him, for him to run inside and get some bologna. And he loved to roll them up and make a bologna like sandwich, if you will, bologna upon bologna. And he would eat the bologna as we were going along. And then my senior year in high school, he came out to assist in football as a coach. And I, I, was, I played all four years. wasn't very good all four years. I was probably better in eighth grade because I didn't play. But um, he came out to help us be one of the coaches. And I swear he wore the pants that he had worn when he was in high school. He graduated the, the football pants. He graduated high school in 1940. And uh, as I thought about Mike this week, made me misty-eyed because of the power of words. Young men would make fun of him behind his back. And then I researched him some more this week. Mike, Mike was an all-star at our high school, 1937, 38, 39, and 40. Then he got drafted in World War II, served in the 17th Reconnaissance Squadron in the Pacific, working on P-38s. Those of you airplane guys like I am. Came back, finished his college, and then taught 25 years at my high school in addition to picking up driver's ed. What a sweet man he was. And if I can send this video to one of my high school classmates, his last name, Sammy's last, I don't know why I'm crying. That makes me feel bad because I was mean to that guy, I know. That's the power of your words and how they even impact you 40 years after high school. But uh, Sammy, my friend Sammy Hess, he never could get Sammy's name right. He called him Blessing. I don't know why he called him Blessing. But we as, uh, you know, throughout the years have called Sammy the Blessing. So anyway, all that lead in to say on the driver's ed car, there was an extra brake. How many of you had a driver's ed where the driver, okay, uh, the, those of us who have a little bit of uh, these newer cars, I don't know if they do that. The, the dealership in town that loaned the car, somehow they installed an extra brake. And we even had a sign on the back, you know, I know they have driver's ed magnetic signs. We had a big sign and it even said what dealership was loaning it to the school. And Mike was always sitting over there eating his bologna or whatever he was doing. And if you didn't do something he liked, he could tap the brake. He didn't throw you through the windshield, but he slowed you down in the direction you were going. Or perhaps you were heading a little, or going a little too fast. Tap the brake. And that's exactly what James is telling us to do when it comes to the control of our tongue is that we need to tap the brake. Such a small, such a powerful force of the tongue, at times you need to tap the brakes. 
He uses a horse, a ship, and a fire to, to illustrate his point. Once again, remember who his brother was. We believe that James was the half-brother of Jesus. I'll just say the brother of Jesus. You know, there are no half-people. You're either whole people or not. He was the brother of Jesus, and Jesus was a master at illustration. His imagery, his symbolism, the things he could communicate. And here James picks up on that and says, let me tell you, something as small as the bridle in a horse's mouth can make the horse go one way or the other. A rudder, such a small rudder, can make a big boat, even though it's powered by the wind in those days, not motors or not engines, but they can make it go one way or the other. And then likewise, you know that just a single spark, a single match can light an entire forest or burn a city. James says in verse 6, even talking of this fiery emphasis, the tongue being is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by, in the Greek, Gehenna. That dead place where the unrighteous go and stay. He connects your misuse of your tongue with the very pit of hell. Tap your brakes. Tap your brakes. Now, how do we pump the brakes? I'm going to give you three little quick examples. I think I may have a slide. I don't know if I did or not. I kept putting slides in this morning. Yeah, these are reminders of myself. Dynamite! If you went to, you know, I don't know. No, I'm not going to say that. Uh, the kids and I watched, uh, actually Brenda was with me, I think, and uh, watched part of the end of, of the fastest Indian ever. It's a, story, it's a true story based on a guy from New Zealand who took his, like, 1920 or whatever Indian motorcycle in the 60s and set land speed records with it. Uh, Anthony Hopkins plays the lead character, and in it he finds out he has heart problems, and he actually has to start taking nitroglycerin pills. You know, you, those of you that had heart issues, you, you, you put one underneath your tongue, let it dissolve, and then somehow it helps get the heart back in order. Which all leads me to say, how do you tap your brakes? Remember... That nitroglycerin can either blow up a bridge or fix a heart. What you do with your words can either blow up bridges or help someone's heart. Second, how do I look? Have you ever been asked that by your spouse? How do I look? What? Yeah, no joke. How, how do you answer that question? Well, it depends. <laughs> well, <clears throat> let me put it this way. This is why I wanted you to get, that's my memory jogger for you. And to my knowledge, there are no fashion police in this congregation. There are no morality constables, nor are there any spiritual sheriffs in our congregation. For we all stumble, like it says in verse 2, tap the brakes and pray. So you're remembering the power of the words, you're tapping the brakes to pray. And train your tongue so that... You might think it, but you don't say it. And eventually, if you've trained enough, you won't even think it. But how many times or how often you think something and you just got to say it? How do I look? You might think it, but choose your words wisely when you answer that to your spouse. And the third illustration for me, you know, James uses these three little points. I'll give you three little points. Remember, I dream a genie? Who was the star other than Barbara Eden? Larry Hagman. And J.R., who shot J.R.? Did you know he was born in Dallas? Did you know he was in the Air Force? <laughs> yeah. Got another connection there. Um, 
he, during the filming of I Dream a Genie, those of you who may have read this, this is kind of a common Reader's Digest story, uh, but true, uh, during one of the uh, episodes where it was called like an astronaut's uh, rise a horse or something like breaking horses with the astronaut or whatever, um, he had screamed so much, he went to the doctor and he lost his voice. And the doctor said, you need to stop talking and let your voice rest. And for the next 25 years, he practiced the habit of not speaking on Sundays. Sometimes he would go even longer. Now, the, one of the ways to control your tongue is not to open your mouth. But there are some things, as you'll see later on in this passage, that we need to have blessings coming from it, not curses. So you can't just keep it quiet all the time. But one of the ways to tap your brakes is just to close your mouth and listen. Listen to what the other person has to say. James is like the book of Proverbs, which also has many sentences and phrases about words. And Proverbs 18.21 is probably one of the favorite, which says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Sometimes biting your tongue causes less pain than letting it loose. There's a rabbi named Joseph Telushkushkin, I can't even say that right, sounds like a good Russian name, uh, Telushkin. Uh, he has gone around for several years talking about the power, good and bad, of our words. And one of the things he loves to do is says, raise your hand, I'll do it with you. Raise your hand if you've ever said a harsh word to anyone. I'm looking now, come on. All the other congregation is looking. <laughs> Judy just waved at me. <laughs> I'm leaving there. They're leaving up the sound. We all could probably raise our hands, right? Now, the next question, he says, how many of you can go 24 hours without saying a harsh word to someone else? And typically when he makes it, people start snickering. Because he says, if you can't go 24 hours without saying a harsh word about somebody or to someone, your tongue is out of control. Because if you can't go 24 hours without drinking, you've got an addiction problem. If you can't go 24 hours without doing some of these other things, I know some of you couldn't go 24 hours without coffee. I know that, and you'll just admit you've got a coffee problem like I do. But we need to tap the brakes and keep some of those things in our thoughts and not say them because of the damage they can do. And obviously work to the point where you don't even have the negative thought. So tap the brakes. Second, Tongue twister testimony. I thought about that one all week. How do you make this last part where he keeps going back and forth, back and forth. I want you to know I've kissed the Blarney Stone twice in my life. Two different trips to Ireland, I kissed the Blarney Stone. And when you kiss the Blarney Stone, you're supposed to be given the gift of eloquence or the gift of persuasion. I think I just got the gift of gab. I'm not really sure. It didn't really help me at all. In fact, it's kind of nasty when you think about kissing this rock that you've just stood in line for a hundred other people ahead of you to kiss this rock. And you have to hang upside down and backwards to do it, remember? I mean, you, you literally lay on your back. You have two poles back here and you reach back where you feel like you're going to fall off the wall of this castle and you kiss that rock. And like that's really, and I think we paid to do it too. Woo! Those Americans, they're really morons. As school children, we all learned I scream, you scream, we all scream for... And you learn Peter Piper. Well, see if you can do this tongue twister. This is about a two-minute little clip. I want you to say it out loud when they put it up there, because it is, well, if it plays.
said that. Longest two minutes of your life, right? Yes, we're ready. Okay, go. Say it with me. Notice I didn't say it. Say it again. The sick, sick, sheiks, sick, sheeps, sick. Now they're gonna ask you to say it like five times super fast. That's all right, you can take it down. Tongue twister testimony is one thing, but tongue twisters in our faith is something totally different. It's exactly what James is describing. He is saying that praises and curses should not come from the same tongue. That fresh water and salt water can't come from the same well. And that figs and olives don't grow on the same trees. So how do you unravel the tongue twister testimony? Well, think about what you do. We praise God. And even at our meet, let's take this example. Sometimes you're sitting at the dinner table, those of you who still have children at home, and you're sitting around the table, um, and you have a prayer that you thank God for the food, you may thank Him for your good health, you may thank Him for the home, and all the things you give thanks for. I mean, that's what you often do before the meal, give thanks. And before the end of the meal, you've so offended your spouse, or your children have so offended you, that the meal becomes the Last Supper, if you will. Because somebody after it's going to die. Now, I'm not testifying for myself, but how many of you have had opportunities like that? You've said a blessing. You've asked God. You've given thanks. Say, Lord, bless this food. And then you go crazy. We sing praises to God here on Sunday morning and curse the big black truck that pulls out in front of you on the way home. By the way, I drive a big black truck. It's probably me. We say we want to be a church that reaches the loss, but we don't share our faith. We say we will pray for you, but we never even pray at all. Now, there are some things that come out of the tongue out of control, whether it be gossip. Um, I don't use the word innuendo very often, but I read one guy saying that that was the cousin to gossip. Gossip is telling the bad story. Innuendo is inferring that, you know, it's kind of like implying that they might have done it, but I didn't gossip. Or you sometimes use flattery to hurt somebody because you tell them nice things to their face that you would never say behind their back. Or you use criticism and you destroy somebody with their criticism. You know, oh, well, I need positive feedback. No. Criticism is a little different, making fun. And that's that whole dichotomy that he has going that praise incurs fresh and salt, figs and olives. And one guy, as I was reading about this week, I'd read some more of his before. Um, the main author that I found was Robert Caro, C-A-R-O. He's written two books. Well, he actually was a two-time Pulitzer Prize winner. One of those was on LBJ. But his first book, I think, on LBJ is called The Ascension or the Rise of LBJ. He talks about Lyndon Baines Johnson, our, our 36th president, uh, a uh, Texan, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Somebody, blue bonnets. Aren't they kind of known for Lady Bird? Wasn't she the one who did that? Or am I just dreaming that? Yeah, I didn't take Texas history. Sorry, I took Illinois history. So, uh, But in any event, well, there's a lot of reverence for him. But they say he had a very foul mouth. And he was ultra hypercritical of people. 
And let me just share you this little story that Carol writes it, or Carl, I don't know, I'm sure you say Robert's last name there. He said he once ridiculed Dave Shevins of the Associated Press, a sensitive, sweet-tempered guy who was also fat and short. Made me think of Mike Alcorn. Once when Johnson was moving across a plowed field, Shevins was following behind Johnson, and he said to Shevins, Come on, Shevins! Won't those little fat legs of yours carry you any faster than that? But ironically, Johnson would be the one who helped get the Civil Rights Act through in 1965 that brought voting rights to those who had been deprived of those and guaranteed voting rights to those who previously could not vote. So here's a man who used cursing and blessings with the same mouth. Well, here's a tongue twister I think that some of us have as Christians. Yeah, should go one more, guys. Maybe, maybe if I didn't put it in there. I, how many of you can say those things fairly easily? Sorry. Forgive me. How can I help? Jesus loves you. Sound like very simple phrases to say, right? So why would you twist anything from, I'm not sorry, I could care less, I did it on purpose, I'm not going to help you, or I hate you. How can that come from the same mouth? There are fresh waters that should be flowing from the mouth of the Christian. There are blessings that must be flowing from the mouth of the Christian. And we are to bear the sweet fruit that James is challenging us to do as we tame our tongues. Would you stand with me, please, as we pray? Our Father, as we come now to a time of invitation, our tongues are often unchecked. Often, we set fires, break hearts, destroy relationships, lie, deceit, hate, all the evil things that we despise we let flow across our lips. So today, Lord, I pray that you would forgive us. Help us to begin each and every day by saying, Lord, help me to tame my tongue. Put me in situations, Lord, where I can speak for you. Remind me to give blessings versus curses. And Lord, help me to control this tongue that you've given me. Let it sing praises. Let it shout hallelujah. Let it say, I love you, Lord. If there's a decision, Lord, to be made right now, we pray that your people would come. This invitation time, perhaps there's someone who needs to come and say, I have spoken harshly against so many. I've spoken harshly against the Lord. Let them come and feel the forgiveness, taste of the sweetness of your love in this moment. Whatever decision there is to be made, Lord, we open this invitation time and let your Holy Spirit, we pray, move through us. For we ask it in Jesus' name.